go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. Well, Kurt, the Steelers lose their third straight in an embarrassing fashion. No one in Steelers Nation feels good about losing to the Bengals, especially this Bengals team and that quarterback. Oh, my gosh. This is a tough one to swallow. And now, after being 11-0 and number one in the conference and having the best record in football just three weeks ago, we really got to talk about the Steelers looking at their next two opponents. They're in danger of dropping all the way down to, like, the number six seed. Like, this is a real thing. You got the Colts yeah. at home and then the Browns on the road. Two tough teams that are really hot playing good football right now. I mean, and the Steelers are the opposite of that, obviously. So we're looking at a free fall here. The Steelers could find themselves on the road wild card weekend. And that is just something that if you said that three weeks ago, you'd just smack someone if they said that to you, right? I mean, it just it didn't yeah. make any sense. And, and this is literally where we're at. It's it's crazy. Yeah, this is a team a month ago people were talking about going 16-0. and 0. Yes, I was and, one of them. And now the the – you know, if you just if you just look at the teams that are left here, it's pretty likely that that Week 17 game against the Browns is going to be for the AFC North. I mean, they've got a the the Browns play the Jets this weekend, and the Steelers play the Colts. And if the Colts beat the Steelers and the Browns beat the Jets, that Browns Steelers matchup Week 17 will determine the difference between being the the two seed or three seed or the probably the six seed in the in the playoffs. Crazy. It's crazy. It's it's nuts. I've I've never. I mean, I've seen I've seen Pittsburgh have some late season meltdowns. I mean, last season they had a meltdown. Their defense kept them going. They were like eight and five at one point and had control of the opportunity to go to the playoffs last year with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph playing quarterback. And then they they just kind of melted down and lost those last three games and. You know, but this team, you didn't expect that. You know, no, you, you didn't expect to see that kind of meltdown with a with a team with Ben Roethlisberger under center. I don't think anybody expected him to score thirty a game like they did in twenty eighteen, and for him to lead the league in passing. But you just you just had a feeling that they were going to have enough offense every week to score twenty five, twenty six points. Defense was going to hold the other team to around twenty, and they were just going to kind of cruise, and they did for a while. I mean, that was the formula for eleven games, and then. Everything just fell apart, you know. Just even in the in the win over the Ravens, you, you could see the the writing on the wall. The the team was beat up. The lack of depth was starting to show, and I think Roethlisberger's confidence in his arm is not there. I think his confidence in his offensive line isn't there. Um, I think he tried last night to be a little more confident in his offensive line. That got him beat up pretty good. Yeah, it's it's just I think there's a lot of guys. They're probably not saying it to each other right now, but I'm sure in that locker room there are a lot of guys wondering why the other guy isn't doing his part at this point. You said it, Kurt, a long time ago, back when the Steelers, and we've talked about it in past episodes, recent episodes, where when the Steelers were forced to take that bye week and we knew that they were going to have to play all these games in a row, you kind of warned us. You said, man, I hope they don't run out of gas late. And I don't know if that's what it is, but I think my main takeaway, and I want to get your uh, thoughts on this, is even the freaking Bengals, who are one of the worst defenses in football uh, in all the metrics, like they're not good. And they, they had two wins going into that game, for crying out loud. The Bengals are good. 
but even they know how to beat the Steelers on defense. There is a universal formula to beat the Steelers right now, right? It's because yeah. you just know what they're going to do. You know they can't run the ball. You know that they're, any type of play action is just BS. They're not going to believe it. They're going to clamp down. They're going to put pressure on Big Ben, and they're going to make him throw it deep, and they're going to make him throw it deep under pressure, and they're, going yeah. to, and they're just going to flood the middle of the field, and we've seen this for three weeks in a row, and the Steelers can't yeah. figure it out. And until they figure out the run game thing, and get some type of play action, something to keep defenses honest, something to open up some seams in the middle of the field. That that's where they're going to keep going with the ball. I mean, yeah. and, and you saw, you know, no, and they, they got a little, you know, Tomlin talked about how he was happy to see that, you know, Benny Snell got going a little bit in the second half, but that was all him. I mean, that wasn't the offensive line making plays at that point. That was just Benny Snell finding some creases cutting back, you know, making a few runs. But even that, at that point in the game, you're not going to convince Cincinnati that you can run the ball consistently enough to change what they were doing. They kept those safeties back. They've got a pretty solid secondary. I mean, they really kind of, you know, Bates and Bell and, and McKenzie Alexander and William Jackson, they just made force Ben to hold the ball just long enough that those pass rushers, you know, Carl Lawson hadn't done a whole lot this year, but he's a good player, but he just abused Al Villanueva last night. I mean, he just, I think Okafor and Villanueva were the lowest graded offensive players on the Steelers team last night by pro football focus. I mean, they just got, they got beat up on the edges. And I think, had Ben been trying to make more deep throws during the course of the season, we would have seen this earlier. I think that's part of the reason he's getting rid of the football so fast is because those guys really can't hold up on the outsides. They, they can't hold a, a pass rusher off. And so the 2.2 second, you know, getting the ball out of his hand was as much uh, a matter of, of saving himself, I think, as it's been anything else. And you saw last night, when he tried to hold the ball a little longer, get his receivers get a little deeper, his feet got a little hoppy, he was under pressure, and he continued to kind of overthrow the ball. I, I get a lot of heat because people say that I criticize Ben's arm as if I'm saying he can't throw the football down the field. I have no doubt Ben's still got a strong arm. Right. You know, he's an, he's an NFL quarterback. It's being able to throw it with accuracy. Over the years, I don't know how many times I've either tweeted out or told somebody when Ben makes a big throw on a deep pass that he, you know, drops it in the bucket. I mean, his deep ball accuracy used to be something he was really known for. And he's just he's just spraying it around out there. And I, I think it's a combination of things. But the, the Bengals had it figured out. I mean, they had, their defense had it figured out from the beginning. Their offense had a game plan, and their defense had a game plan. And you even saw an offense – Ryan Finley, you knew wasn't going to throw for 300 yards, but that zone read, it took the Steelers about seven rushes before they figured out what Cincinnati was trying to do. Alex Highsmith bit on that zone read every single time. Yep. Every long run that, that Finley got was off his side, and they finally moved Mika Fitzpatrick over there to spy, knowing Highsmith was going to bite on the back, and he makes that big stop at the end of the game. But it was literally five carries before they figured out, hey, maybe we ought to have somebody out here on the edge. And I said last night, that's an area where Bud Dupree excelled this year. No, no doubt. But, they missed those Bud guys. Dupree they killed that zone. I mean, he killed that zone read. He did it against Baltimore. I mean, that was part of his game. And without him there – I, I made the joke last night. The Steelers linebackers are T.J. Watt and three dudes. I mean, yeah. that's basically what they've got at this point. Uh, yeah, and Tomlin gave them credit for it, and rightfully so. They knew that they should attack that second level of the defense because it's so depleted, and they were right, and they picked on it. And you're yeah. you're absolutely right. It was a disaster, Kurt. It was a disaster. <clears throat> uh, a tough loss to a rival, to a bad rival, 
and now the Steelers are the wheels are spinning right now, and they're they're not gaining any traction here. They're, this is no. the get right game. I saw that on Twitter last night. Somebody, <laughs> this was supposed to be the get right game. Nothing got right on Monday night. But you talk, you talked about Big Ben, and I think that there's that's an interesting thing because another story that came out prior to the game was Big Ben talking about how he wants to return in 2021. That's his plan. And I want to talk to Kurt about Big Ben potentially returning next year, his contract, which is interesting. There's some interesting things there. And what is the Steelers' succession plan for Ben? What, what's the plan for when he's done? So let's get into that coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit him, start him. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Welcome to week 16 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays in the championship round for most leagues. Derek Carr left last week with a groin injury that was deemed a one-to-two-week situation, but he's been splitting first-team reps with Marcus Mariota. For all of the on-paper upgrades Miami made in the offseason, it has struggled to contain competent quarterbacks, especially dual threats. Cam Newton, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Patrick Mahomes. All of them trounced this group, and even rookie quarterback Justin Herbert found success. Mariota is the better recommendation in the event he starts, just because we don't know what to expect from Carr's injury. But the matchup is right for either player. Sticking with the same matchup, but on the other side of the coin, running back Lynn Bowden of the Miami Dolphins takes on the team that drafted him in the Raiders. Bowden is a running back-receiver combo and can be flexed out of the slot. In fact, he does that more often than not. He's by far the most talented natural receiver out of this backfield, but keep in mind he offers nothing from the running game perspective, with just three carries in the last three games. Injury question marks with Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki leave this passing game a little thin, so it will be all hands on deck. The Raiders have given up five and a half receptions a game to running backs in 2020, and Bowden is poised to eclipse that mark. Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver Tyron Johnson versus the Denver Broncos. Injuries have slowed receivers Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and it opened the door for the explosive Johnson to see more action. His 12 targets in the last two games after only nine on the year entering week 14. There's a ton of risk here since he's a low volume, high yield type of player, but the Broncos have permitted 21 different efforts of at least 10 PPR points in 2020, and both Allen and Williams scored in the earlier meeting. Johnson is an intriguing flex flyer. Chicago Bears rookie tight end Cole Komet at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Understand by starting him, you're taking a tremendous amount of risk, and this is purely a flyer for a touchdown against a defense that has been atrocious at stopping tight ends in 2020. Only the Jets have allowed more touchdowns on the year to the position, and no team has given up scores at a higher frequency than once every 5.2 catches. But seven times the position has been held to 36 or fewer yards, which makes this the epitome of a gamble for a touchdown. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. So as I said, Kurt, before the break, Roethlisberger wants to come back. I thought this might be a swan song year for him, but he's, he's, he's talking like he wants to come back next year. And really, you'll, you'll know this more than me. I'm glad I have you. Uh, but the team is going to have to restructure his contract, right, if they're going to keep him next year because yeah. I think his, his cap hit is like – ridiculous 41 for, yeah. 41 million yeah that's a and, lot and, it, and and honestly it can't even really be a restructure if they want to save any money they're going to have to give him a contract extension because the problem is is they have already moved so much of his base to bonus for next year he only has a four million dollar base salary for next year with his accrued seasons they really can't cut that much in a in a restructure and so the, the only way they're going to save any money is to probably sign him to a two-year extension. 
move a bunch of money to the end of the contract and just never pay it. You know, just just get through next year and maybe the following year, and then just have a have an out for the team where they can cut him loose because. They, they don't have – they may just have to kind of lug through this next year. There really isn't much wiggle room. The Steelers are one of the teams that are, are pretty known for their ability to kind of manipulate the salary cap. But they have robbed Peter to pay Paul for about three years now with Ben. And there just isn't much space left to go. When you've got $37 million of your $41 million cap hit in bonuses already, there just isn't anywhere for them to go. And so – you know, if they if they would cut him, I've already had people. Oh, they're gonna they should just cut him. Well, then you got 22 million in dead money. If you cut him, the Steelers can't really absorb 22 million dollars in dead money. I think honestly, the only way they're gonna be able to to make this work is to just sit down with him and tear up his contract and write him a new deal. Have a really low number in 2021 maybe kind of a moderate number in 2022 and then have it out for the team the following year. And hopefully by then they've got a succession plan, you know, hopefully by then they've figured out what are we going to do? You know, when, when yeah. big Ben's gone, they need that because, part because they're, they're yeah, I mean, uh, the next guy's not on the roster right now. I know that. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but I don't think they're on the roster. I mean, that's, that's obvious. You know, several years ago, everybody thought it was going to be Landry Jones. He was going to be the guy that was going to sit there for four or five years and he was going to replace Ben. Well, then Ben gets hurt a couple of times. Landry Jones comes in and people realize pretty quickly. Nope, this isn't him. Well, we saw exactly what we have in Mason Rudolph last season. I mean, he started eight games, and we saw – everybody saw exactly what he's made of. Now, I'm not saying he might not be better now, but I don't think he's a team you hand – you know, a player you hand a team over to. Agreed. So, yeah, next year they've got to – you know, it's unfortunate too because you look at the needs this team's going to have with 17 or 18 free agents as well. You know, Bud Dupree's probably not coming back. I don't know if they're going to pay James Conner. They've got multiple offensive linemen who are free agents. Villanueva, Matt Filer, um, Mike Hilton, cornerback on defense, is a free agent. A lot of guys that could potentially be going somewhere else and making money. And so how do you fill all those holes when we've already seen they really don't have a lot of depth and still find that quarterback? Because if you're going to draft his his replacement, you got to do it early. You got to hope a, a Kyle Trask falls to them maybe in the first round, and you just look at it as value and you draft him, and then you just kind of hope you can fill in behind him. Or do you go after a guy like Sam Darnold and try to try to coach him up? I'm not sure that that's the that's the way to go either. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> I I just he's damaged I don't, by the Jets. <laughs> I think he is. I think and Carson Wentz is another name that yeah. you know is going to people are going to talk about. I yep. just don't know what you what do you do with him. I mean, you know, at this point they need a kind of a clean slate. They need to they need to let Matt Canada have a, a rookie quarterback that he can coach up and just see what happens. But that's tough because if they if they commit to one next year, that really sort of bumps everything else down. Who's your next edge rusher that you're going to draft? Who's your next offensive tackle, your next offensive guard? You know, are, are you happy with your linebackers, assuming Devin Bush and Robert Spillane come back? Is that good enough? If we, if we assume that Devin Bush comes back 100%, do they feel like they need to commit draft capital to a linebacker other than an edge rusher, of course? And, you know, what do you, Joe Hayden and 
isn't getting any younger. Are you ready for Cam Sutton and Justin Lane to be the guys at quarterback? And yeah, they they've got some tough decisions. They could go from it could turn into a pretty massive rebuild over the next two years. Oh, there's no doubt. And I think I'd feel better about having Ben here for another year or two if you have the next guy on the roster. And I think yep. maybe you got to go and maybe with your first or second round pick, you, you maybe you got to go quarterback. And for me, I feel I th- I think I feel better about the Steelers than maybe any other team in the league. Kurt in the draft room. I really, they, I feel like they really oh. nail, they nail it more often than not, man. It's not yeah. easy, and they make it they make it look easy sometimes with some of the players they yeah. pick and and how they turn out. They're so good at it. So I don't feel like I have I don't worry about them in a quarterback heavy draft class like this is supposed to be. I don't know, but is it's it's yeah. supposed to be. I feel good about them picking the quarterback. The question is, will they do it, and will they spend yeah. that early capital? I think they should. Yeah. What do you think? I, I you know what. I think they should as well, but I could definitely see, you know, we're, we're looking at now, they're going to be picking somewhere probably in the mid 20s. Yep. The, the Steelers are kind of notorious for that first pick being a guy that they know can come in and contribute right away. You, know, you look at the Ryan Shazier's and TJ Watts and people like that that they drafted early in the past. Are they going to view a quarterback that's going to sit for a year or two? as value in the first round or would they rather get draft you know a center or a guard who they know they can plug in and play from day one or an offensive tackle from a mentality standpoint i think they want return on that first pick and so from a philosophical point of view i can definitely see them passing on a first round quarterback in hopes of landing a guy either an edge rusher or an offensive lineman who can come in and play as a rookie at a high level and then maybe hoping that in the second round or third round they can get a guy one of that next tier of quarterback to be the guy to you know spend a year with see if he can play i'd be good with that plan i think that's the way to go yeah I I think that's the way they're going to have to do it because whoever's under center next year is going to be in a lot of trouble if they can't protect them. I mean, they're, you know, you're potentially looking at Filer gone, Villanueva gone, Zach Banner and a core are both restricted free agents. So likely they'll return, but what do you have? A core has been kind of terrible. I mean, he, we hope Zach Banner comes back from his knee injury, but we really don't know if he's any good. I mean, he didn't really get a chance to play. You know, you got a good player in Kevin Dotson at guard, but you've got Pouncey and DeCastro both getting older, both showing their age this year. You know, they got the Lifetime Achievement Award by getting named to the Pro Bowl this year, which they've gotten for a couple of years now because their play definitely hasn't supported being named to the Pro Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, if they if they don't rebuild their offensive line and legitimately their defensive line, too. I like Cam Hayward. I think he's a great player. I like Stephon Tuitt. But after those two, they really don't have anybody to get excited about on the defensive line. Even Tyson Lualu, I mean, he he was playing great the first five or six games of the season, and now you, he only played about half the snaps last night. So they, they need an interior defensive lineman. There's a lot of spots they need. You know, when you see the Bengals running Gio Bernard straight up the middle, that's a sign that the interior defensive line isn't where it needs to be. And so... You know, a lot of us old Steelers fans, we sit here and pine for the days of Casey Hampton sitting there in the middle of that defensive line, and nobody could move him. And behind him, they had 275-pound LeVon Kirkland, an inside linebacker, and just nobody ran in the middle. Yeah. And so now you, we've got, you know, Chris Wormley and Avery Williamson holding down the middle. That's a little different look. And so they're going to have to look at that, too. <laughs> so interesting. It's going to be a really interesting draft. And I know the season's not over. I don't want to talk like it is. But next year, two spots the Steelers haven't had to really worry about is quarterback and head coach, right? And now they yeah. got to worry about quarterback now for the first time because even if Ben comes back next year, 
they don't have the succession plan. They got to figure that thing out. So I find that so fascinating. We'll keep hitting on that as as the weeks go on here. But there was one sequence in the second half that Kurt, you pointed out on Twitter right away. You knew it was potentially the Steelers' downfall. It was. I don't think fans listening to this might know exactly what it is. They might be thinking of a different sequence. Let's talk about that sequence that killed the Steelers in the second half. We'll do that coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of and Podcast and SportsbookWire.com. It's week 16 of the NFL, and I'm joined again by Jeff Clark, my colleague. We're breaking down the Sunday night football game between the Tennessee Titans and Green Bay Packers. The Packers are three-and-a-half-point home favorites at Lambeau, minus 105 odds. The Titans on the road, plus three-and-a-half-point underdogs, minus 115 odds. Big game for both teams. Playoff implications all over the board here. Packers trying to hold on to the number one seed in the NFC. I'm on them to win by at least four points. Jeff, I think Matt LaFleur just gets his revenge against Tennessee Titans, even though things worked out pretty well for him. He can't be too angry at them. Yeah, I'm definitely sweating the Matt LaFleur uh, revenge game. To me, it's a toss-up with the offenses. It's a bit of a toss-up with the defense. I'm willing to concede Green Bay is a little bit better on the defensive end or more reliable. Uh, But the game just means more to the Tennessee Titans. Um, They haven't locked up anything at the AFC South, not an AFC wild card, whereas Green Bay has the NFC North all tucked away and could be looking ahead to the playoffs or just wanting to rest up, not giving a full effort. Uh, Give me the three plus the hook with the Titans. So obviously, Kurt, Steelers down 17 zip at half. Ugly, ugly first half. Maybe the worst half of football Steelers fans have ever watched. (laughs) That was just just terrible. Uh, Just bad. The defense, maybe not as bad as the offense. The offense, at least. Woof. Wow. That was just horrendous uh i don't want to spend too much time talking about the uh the first half because uh it, it makes me depressed just thinking about how bad this <laughs> offense was. <laughs> yeah no doubt but the second half as i think we all predicted as everyone who bet the steelers live money line at halftime probably felt we knew that they were going to storm back is just that was definitely going to happen it's the steelers it's the bengals and they're just not going to play that poorly for four quarters and they come out Boom, boom, two quick drives. They look like the Steelers again. They, uh, they, they cut it to 17-10. to 10, And the defense actually forces three consecutive three and outs. And the, the Steelers get the ball right back. And you were all over this little sequence here. When the Steelers get the football back, they pick up nine yards on a little pass to McFarland. So it's second and one. Then they throw an incompletion on second down on a play that – this is actually the play I think Deontay got shaken up on the sideline. He came out for a couple snaps. And on third down, they try to run it with Benny Snell on third and short. And right up the middle, the play gets blown up. They lose a couple yards. They punt the ball back. And you were on Twitter right away, Kurt, and you said, oh, man, that's going to come back to bite him, that drive. Why do you think yeah. that was such a turning point you were dead on? Well, I think, it was, I think it was huge because, for one thing, you pushed your defense right back out on the field. You know, like you said, they'd force three, three and outs. And your defense was feeling good, and they gave the Steelers pretty good field position. And you just knew, you could just see it in the in the the when when that play failed, when that that possession down, as Tomlin calls it, failed, and you saw that defense run back out onto the field. That they were just like, we can't keep doing this, guys. We yep. cannot keep doing this yep. for you. You know, we saw that look on their face all season last year. 
the, the offense would, would fail and the defense would come out and they would try to make a play. And pretty soon you, you hold a team three or four times in a row and your offense gives you nothing, especially after that, that nice gain on first down. And at that point, what Pittsburgh should have done, and hindsight's always great, but, you know, Ben is kind of notorious for wanting to take that shot on that next play. Second and short is kind of a, kind of a place where he likes to take a shot. Mm. He tried. It didn't work. At that point, everybody watching knew exactly what the next play was going to be. I mean, there was no, there was no surprise the as to did, how right? they were. Gonna, <laughs> the yeah, Bengals I mean, did. no one, no one was. Everyone knew what was coming next, and you have an offensive line that hasn't shown they can block consistently in that interior run game all year, and you decide, well, let's just give it one more try, and that's. You know, it's it's frustrating as someone who watches the game. You know, I watch that game multiple times. I go back and I rewatch it and I take notes and things like that. And it just becomes so predictable. I mean, they're 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 play calling in the first half. The run plays on second and ten. You know, probably the lowest percentage play in football is a run play on second long. And they did it, I think, five drives. It's a fatal flaw half. for a lot of coaches out there. It really is. It really is. I don't, I don't understand there's not an analytics guy, you know, showing them a spreadsheet that why this never works and they continue to do it. And so it's this, this level of predictability is just it's so frustrating. You know, even even at the start of the game, you had the, the failed run overthrow on second down um, dropped by Deontay Johnson. That was their first drive of the game. And I said, I'm sure they scripted that. I mean, that, you know, you always script your first drive. So sure. let's, let's fail to get any yards on first down. Let's overthrow deep on second and then we'll have Deontay drop one and then we'll be fine. That's our, that's our formula. That's, so a script. that's a script. That, <laughs> yeah. It's a script that hasn't worked the last three weeks. That's for sure. Right. So what, what did it mean? The Steelers losing to the Bengals. Well, it means, I think three weeks ago, Kurt, the Steelers probably would have been favored at home against these Indianapolis Colts. Uh, yeah. Not so much anymore. They're two-point underdogs against Indy. The over-under keeps going down, 44-and-a-half, so it's clear the betting public does not think that this is going to be a high-scoring game. They don't believe in the Steelers' offense right now. How could you? That was just a, a terrible performance. And the Colts are a team that scare me, should scare you, should scare Steelers fans. They're just one of those teams that they're not great at anything, but they're really good at everything, right? They're good on defense. They're good on offense. They're good on special teams, and they win in all three phases. They'll kill you with a defensive play. They'll kill you with a big special teams play. They've been doing it all year long. They're just a kind of a well-coached, tough team that doesn't beat itself. And when you really need a win to kind of get things going, this is not the kind of team you want to see coming in. Uh, This is going to be a tough game. They're underdogs for a reason. I think they should be. They have to play so much better than they did against the Bengals, Kurt, to even hang in this game. I mean, they got to play. They got to morph back into whatever they were before that Ravens week. And I don't don't know. They haven't given us any confidence that they can. But if they don't, this could be ugly. The Colts are good. And they're going to have to play much better football. The Colts are the Steelers the first 10 weeks of the season. You know, that that's basically what it is, or at least the first five games or so. Yeah. The first five or six games of the year, you go back and watch those games, it's what the Colts are doing now. They're, they've, they found a running game. 
T.Y. Hilton's playing better. They found a couple of weapons in the passing game, and their defense their their defense is stout. Good. I mean that over and under that over under is low because I don't know either team's going to score a whole lot of points. Yeah, I think the under it's the it. under is definitely in play here. It keeps I think it yeah. started at forty five and a half. It's already down to forty four and a half. I think people that want to yeah. bet the under should get on it soon. Yeah, points are going to be tough to come by in this game. But I think if you watch what the Colts are doing now and look at the first five games of the season for Pittsburgh, a lot of the same things. I mean, a lot of the same concepts. But the Colts have figured out they have built through the line of scrimmage. Their offensive line is really solid. Their defensive line is really solid. They brought in DeForest Buckner, you know, and they win at the line of scrimmage. They, now that what's the, the rookie, Jonathan Taylor, the little rookie running yeah, back they've he's, got. He's killing it. Um, and, and the offensive line, you you watch. I went back and watched some Colts from, from the last few weeks. They, they, you know, they established the line of scrimmage three yards downfield on run plays. They don't – they aren't asking him to make that first cut in the backfield. They're asking him to make that first move two or three yards down the field, and that's that's how you win. And, and you know, I've seen that from a Pittsburgh offensive line before. I've seen Steelers offensive lines that just move bodies and the running backs had time. You know, that's part of why Le'Veon Bell was so good when he was in Pittsburgh was the way that offensive line could just establish the, the line of scrimmage three yards downfield off a snap. But, yeah, I'm not sure what the what the Randy Feekner is going to – how he's going to game plan to, to – to score on this Colts defense. I'm just not sure where, where points are going to come from at this point. It's a, yeah, I, if they can't if they can't score consistently on a Bengals defense, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know where points are going to come from no, this no. weekend. To be honest, where, where's the edge for the Steelers? Where is it? I can't yeah. find an edge, and that's scary. Yeah, that's I, tough because three weeks ago, the Steelers would have been favored in this game, and we would have felt we would have came we would have found edges, but right now yeah. we just can't. That's just where we're yeah, at. Yeah, I mean, you could you could have looked at the the Colts' offense and felt like the Steelers' defense could take advantage of some turnovers and things yep, like that. Yep. They couldn't get a single turnover on Ryan Finley last night. Oh, the vaunted and, Ryan Finley uh, yeah, run pass yeah, option. I mean, you know? we're, yeah, the, 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 <laughs> they sacked him twice and didn't get a single turnover in the whole game. I mean, if they if the Steelers' defense can't can't turn over the Bengals. I don't know if they're going to turn over the Colts. Yeah, so it had to be painful for Steelers fans having now, to look at. Thankfully, Finley all day. thankfully, I don't think uh, I don't think Phil Rivers is going to be running any of those RPOs. No, so I no, think we're yeah. probably okay on that one. But it might work if they try that. We'll see. We'll yeah. see if the Colts can script that thing up. No, I think Rivers might. He might be the only quarterback who moves worse than Big Ben right now. He doesn't. Oh my he gosh. can't move either. So I don't know, Kurt. It's going to be a salty Christmas for the Steelers fans out there, right? This is not you Could know. Like, it's going to be a little. You, you want to feel good. You want to hang out with your family on Christmas, but I think there's going to be some snarls this year this is it's a tough this is gonna be a tough holiday there's no doubt about Lumps it. of cold all around <laughs> there's nothing nothing good let's hope we have something better next week uh, to talk about but anyway kurt uh merry christmas to you and yours and uh, i'll talk yes. to you next week all right my man all right have a great holiday thank you this usa today sports podcast has been presented by usa today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.